RAC's post-op podcast is brought to you with the compliments of the Royal Australasian College of Surgeons and leading financial services organisation, the Bongiorno National Network, the preferred choice for medical professionals across Australia. There comes time when a medical student or junior doctor decides to proceed on the path of a surgical career. The first step is the process of surgical training, education and assessment conducted by the Royal Australasian College of Surgeons. What does that involve exactly? How do you even apply? How important, for instance, is your curriculum vitae? And what can you expect from the Generic Surgical Sciences Examination, or GSSE? To explain the process is Joseph Xavier, a General Surgical Set Registrar and a Set 4 trainee this year, 2022, which means he'll sit his fellowship exams next year, in April 2023. For those planning on doing surgical training, Dr Xavier reflects on his own experience, including what he would have done differently if he'd had his time again. First, Chris Ashmore asks Dr Xavier about his surgical training journey and what interested him in surgery. I did medical science uh initially out of high school as I wasn't able to, to secure the, the UMAT score that I needed to get a direct entrance into medicine. Quite enjoyed that, but then eventually ended up getting into medicine after uh, medical science and uh, really enjoyed physiology and pharmacology. So initially I thought I wanted to be a, a respiratory physician, so kind of the other end of the spectrum actually. And then I had a few surgical rotations in my penultimate year, during which time I basically just got to do a lot of stitching and got like quite a lot of responsibility, which I didn't have as much in some of my other terms of seeing patients, getting to do things in the operating theatre. And uh, that really just uh, stuck with me. And there was this awesome part of surgery where there's this technical aspect of it, where you constantly kind of practice and get better and you can see measurable improvements every time you do an operation. But, you know, it's, and hopefully everyone you do it is better than your last one. And I think it's that coupled with the core medicine that really interested me in a career in surgery that it, uh, it's so multifaceted and that problems often have, you know, quite straightforward solutions. So, you know, your appendix is a problem, I oh, will just take it out. And I, I quite like that. But also you have your more chronic and complex conditions where you love patients for many, many years and you'll help manage them. But yeah, that's kind of what interested me in, uh, in surgery overall. I guess about my journey. So I did a year of internship, year of residency in 2015 and 2016 uh, in Gosford and Wyong. And then I did SRMO year in Raw North Shore in New South Wales. And then I did two years uh, part-time unaccredited, during which time I erroneously chose to start a PhD uh, and then ended up getting onto the surgical training program left the PhD behind and uh, basically was asked to leave the PhD behind and then started my surgical training in as a set trainee three years ago. Yeah, two and a half, three years ago. Right. Well, for anyone interested in surgical training, what are your top tips? I think just be keen and be present, I think is one of the most important things as a medical student, as a junior. So if you have an interest in surgery, try your best to get surgical rotations. And when you're there, really make an effort to be present in theatre. Ask lots of questions because the more questions you ask, the more you learn. And the more junior you are, the more kind of silly questions I guess you can get away with asking where the more senior you get. While there are no silly questions, some of them are kind of met with a bit of a look of maybe a little bit of derision <laughs> as you get a bit more senior. I think understanding that 
surgery is a difficult career and understanding that it can be challenging to get into. So enjoy your internship uh, because that was one of the most fun years of my life. But somewhere on your wall, put up uh, the GSA guidelines or what you need to get onto the surgical program and just slowly whittle away at them or have an action plan as to when you're actually going to, you know, do a research project, do your GSSC, which is the surgical skills examination, and do any other of the courses that you might have to do to get on. In terms of the importance of CVs, I think the college is pretty clear that they're becoming more and more transparent every year as to exactly what uh, qualifies for a point, whether it comes to research, teaching, being placed in a rural hospital. Because a few years back, you know, you know, throughout the years, people have been denied points because they didn't have quite the right, you know, documentation or there was a bit of ambiguity. So they've made it really crystal clear, particularly with like teaching and stuff. Now there's a a form you have to fill out and get signed off that says, you know, you've fulfilled the requirements. So I think the CV is pretty self-explanatory, but pick your year. So, you know, if you are thinking about getting onto surgical training, create a timeline and a plan, as I said, and pick your year to apply. So if you've picked your year, you need to really create a timeline that has all those things you have to tick off and do. And then you need to be slowly working away and chipping at them, as I've said before, and you need to be adding those points over that year. So, you know, making your first shot your best shot. With the GSSC, do it early. That's another thing I wish I had done. I left it a bit later than I should have. So I tell everyone to do it while you still remember how to study because as an intern and a resident you don't really need to study as much per se but that does change you know as you get into proper set training so I would advise people to you know do the GSSC I would be trying to get it done in the second half of your first year of being a doctor because that way you don't have to worry about it around application and interview times And yes, it is an expensive exam, but if you've done it, it's a huge weight off your shoulders and you can focus on maximizing your points elsewhere because you needed to get onto the surgical training program. Mm. Well, in terms of the surgical training interview, that can be quite tough, quite daunting. Any uh, advice there? Yeah, so interviewing is something that, you know, uh, doctors will... You'll have to do it at the end of residency to secure an SRMO job. And then generally you will have to do interviews every year after that to maintain an unaccredited position. The set interview can be quite daunting. And my advice is just set aside protected time for it. So treat it like an exam. So, you know, people will often read through the questions and think they have a good understanding of it. But when they get asked by someone else, you find they fall down when it comes to a structure and presentation point of view. And, you know, about half your marks come from the way you present and uh, the way you structure your answer. So what I would really advise is if you're applying for the program, the minute you submit your application, start prepping for your interview. So have, you know, one, two other candidates or people in other specialties, have someone more senior and just set aside, you know, a, a couple of hours each week, protected time where you just get questions fired at you and you also ask other people questions. It's really daunting at first when you start it, but you know, by the time you've done it for a couple of weeks, the fear kind of goes away and you'll find that you have a, a significant measurable improvement in your interview skills and your ability to cope with, with curly questions. I've been doing this with a couple of candidates over the last couple of weeks and yeah, I, I could see a measurable improvement even just with you know, two or three weeks of fairly intensive protected teaching or protected practice. Mm. Now, you mentioned earlier that you dropped doing the PhD, but uh, does having a master's, for example, before applying for surgical education and training or a solid list of research, 
or publications, does that improve application points? The college is really transparent about what does and does not get you points. So there are clear guidelines for the amount of research projects you can do, the amount of presentations you can do, the amount and how many points they garner. So my advice would be to work smart, not hard, and save your money um, as best you can because surgical training can be expensive as well. So case reports you can bang out in a weekend. Presentations for conferences, again, you know, you can do them in a couple of weeks. Smaller publications or uh, retrospective analyses, you know, might take a little bit longer, but again, you know, the peer review process might take a while, but, you know, this is weeks to months, not years you're talking about. And often these net you the same amount of points as a master's. The one thing I will say is that the application is becoming more and more competitive. So the scores that people are applying with are higher than they were when I applied for the program. So, you know, if one or two points is going to make the difference between you getting an interview or not, then a master's may be something to consider. But if you think you can get a competitive score by maxing out on those other points and you're doing a master's purely for one extra point, you might, you know, it's probably worth having a think about that. Further education is always a great thing, but and if you think it's something that can improve your practice, improve your knowledge, then by all means go for it. But I don't think it should be something that everyone does as a, you know, I need to do this to get onto surgical training. I think it should be a, a more holistic approach to doing a master's. And any tips for medical students or junior doctors who perhaps are early in their careers and uh, interested in surgery? Yeah, I might have touched on this a little bit prior. I think I might have answered this question more than the one you actually asked me. But again, I think just be keen and be present um, because as a medical student, you get a bit of a uh, rose-coloured glasses view of surgery. You know, you, the consultants hopefully you know, will be very receptive to you. You get to scrub into cases. You know, you don't really have as much responsibility as you do as a junior doctor, so you get to see this quite glamorised version of surgery, which can be great, and I really try to encourage that for medical students on my team, getting them to scrub as much as possible, getting them to see and assess patients, because those are the experiences that, that really stuck with me when I was a medical student. And I remember, you know, being present and being keen then translated into the surgical registrar saying, hey, look, you were really helpful today and you were around. Do you want to close this leg for a cardiac bypass they were doing? So, you know, they have to harvest all these veins from the leg and it's a big, long wound to close. So it's just, you know, it's just an hour of just closing. And that's something that, you know, you normally don't get exposed to as a medical student. And I still remember that vividly and fondly and just, you know, getting a little bit better every day or every week at my suturing and being really proud of how things looked for the most most part. And that was one of the key moments that got me interested in surgery. So I think being keen and being present pays off. Speak to people at different levels in their training, you know, so speak to other interns, speak to other residents, speak to people on the program, fellows, bosses, just to get an understanding of what it takes, you know, to do surgery and, you know, whether it's something that you're willing to do, because, you know, it, it does... It does occupy a lot of your life. Training does. Um, the on-calls can be pretty rough. Yeah. The way I look at it is I remember I got a talk at uh, the Raxer Induction Conference actually that talked about the, the idea of work-life balance. And whilst I think you know, that's a really important thing as well, I think when you do a career in surgery, if you create a really clear delineation between the two, so that one thing is work, one thing is life, it leads to a bit of discontent because, you know, if you're doing a, a busy on-call specialty, you're going to get pulled away from, you know, family functions. You know, you're going to get pulled away from, you know, spending time with people you care about. You're going to be woken up at odd hours of the night. And then, you know, the work is really encroaching on your life. But I think 
looking at it more holistically is understanding that that is what comes with a career in surgery and looking at that as, you know, one of not necessarily a downside, but an aspect of the career. But on the other side, looking at the amazing things you get to do, you know, getting to operate, people giving their trust to allow you to do something like that. And having that balance and understanding of the profession as a whole and saying, hey, this is not just my work. It's like, you know, it's a big part of my life. So approaching it is rather like it's a life-life balance. So if you're choosing a career in surgery, you know, it, it is a big part of your life. And I think if you approach it like that and you understand that, you know, there might be some rough points, if you can always see, you know, a light at the end, then I think, yeah, it should definitely be a career that people should entertain in terms of, again, junior doctors, I think planning is one of the most important things. Understanding, like I said, what the applications require and slowly whittling away at it. There's plenty of conferences that are available. There's plenty of conferences to attend with a, a wide variety of subject matter that really shows you uh, the different research opportunities, the different paths you can take within a specific surgical specialty. And I think attending these broadens your knowledge and broadens your understanding of the specialty and maybe also gives you some ideas for research projects or career avenues within that specialty as well. Well, it seems that things are working out and have worked out for you, Joseph, but looking back at your surgical education training application, anything you would have done differently? Uh, it's a difficult thing because I think everything I did and didn't do have kind of led me to where I am now for better or for worse. I think if I'm being purely objective, there are a lot of things I could have done differently. So I think the big thing that I tell everyone is plan. So I didn't really have a clear plan. I knew I wanted to do surgery and I kind of changed from initially wanting to do orthopedics to wanting to do plastics and then having a balance between general surgery and neurology and then ended up going down the general surgery pathway and, and have no, no regrets about that. But I think Earlier when I was an intern and a resident, you know, I did papers, little research projects here and there and would do a lot of unstructured extracurricular activities at work. And whilst those are great, when you're trying to apply for the surgical program, you have to use your time really wisely. So I think when you're doing a research project, you should really think about is this going to get me a point? Is it going to get me on? Like, is it going to help my application? And I didn't really approach it in that way. And I think additionally for the general surgical skills examination, when I sat, I didn't give it the respect I think it deserved when I first sat it. So I didn't uh, set aside proper time to study for it um, and didn't pass the first time. And then the second time I was like, well, I'm not going to pay four grand to get to that exam. I um, So, you know, then really blocked aside some time to do that. And uh, additionally with my PhD. Again, it was a great opportunity that I was given, but I think I really overstretched myself trying to balance a, a part-time PhD with semi-part-time work, working outside of Sydney and having the PhD mainly based in Sydney. I wasn't as proactive as I probably should have been earlier on, but I think I overburdened myself a little bit and I maybe got on a year later than I ideally should have, but in hindsight, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty happy with how things have ended up. One thing that I think I did do well and I, I would really encourage people to do is to stay really involved in teaching. I think that's one of the most valuable things you can do as a junior doctor, as a surgical registrar, as a surgical fellow and a consultant because I have really fond memories and 
I really have a lot of respect and admiration for the people who taught me during med school and a lot of them have influenced my decision and influenced my career and, and direction so far. So I think being able to give back and do that, um, you know, students and junior doctors are so appreciative of, of things like that. And you'll find that as you go on, you'll have like one teaching session or you'll learn one or two things that really change your day-to-day medical practice or really change the way you do a procedure. So things that you wish you'd known six months ago. So, you know, I, I used to compile a list of those things and often give like a little tips and tricks session that I think a lot of junior doctors find quite helpful. But yeah, stay very involved in teaching. I think that's something that I would really encourage and uh, go rural. So, you know, a lot of people feel obliged or they really want to stay in the big tertiary centers, which I think, you know, there's a lot to be said for staying in a tertiary center. But I think I grew the most as a clinician and developed the most confidence working in a regional rural center where often you don't have the as much protection and as much cover as you would in a major metropolitan centre. So you have to make some more decisions on your own. Obviously, you know, with the help of your consultant, but there's a little bit more autonomy I felt overall. And I think as an unaccredited registrar, particularly before you apply for the program, I would hardly encourage everyone to try to get uh, at least, you know, one or two terms or, or, you know, a whole year in a regional or rural location. That's one of the things I've not regretted in the slightest and, and still love working regionally and rurally. Dr. Joseph Xavier. RAC's post-op podcast is brought to you with the compliments of the Royal Australasian College of Surgeons and leading financial services organisation, the Bongiorno National Network, the preferred choice for medical professionals across Australia. You can reach the Bongiorno National Network on plus 613 9863 3111.